Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be diving into some data surrounding what clients are expecting and willing to do in terms of processes, booking, expectations, and pricing in the hair industry. My friend Hunter Donia, who is an incredible educator for hairstylists, has conducted a survey of over 500 women in the United States. He is going to be diving into the results of this survey and what it means for how you operate your business moving forward. Let's dive in. You're listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Here, we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Today's episode is going to be so much fun, just like every single episode that I've recorded with Hunter Donia, who is back on the show to share some really interesting findings. So I have not heard the results of this massive survey that you've conducted yet, but I already know it is going to be just from how excited you are about sharing this. This is going to be good. So it's the tea with Hunty. Oh, it's it's the tea, honey. Y'all know y'all know I be bringing the tea. Listen, this blew my mind when I rolled this out. Okay, and so the reason why I rolled this survey out at all was because I feel like there is so much noise in the industry, especially now. And with a lot of the modern innovative things that I teach you a lot of like alternative crazy strategies. And I'm a firm believer that like everybody has a unique circumstance. Everybody has a unique business and not everything that I teach is for them per se, or that all the things that I teach can be implemented in a unique and different way for their specific business. However, I teach these like alternative and forward thinking methods that are very modernized, very much based in technology. And there's so much, so many concerns that come up with them. And then also there are so many assumptions that are made. We all too often make so many just assumptions. I'm going to, I'm going to make up a word right now. Assumative, like, like concepts or like definitives of like what our clients want and what they don't want. Right. So for example, we will say, oh, if I have my client fill out a digital form that like takes away like a per personal touch, right? Or, oh, like my clients won't like booking online because they're older or something like that. And I'm like, who says? You haven't even tried. You haven't even put it into action. And then also, if you had put it into action and it didn't work for you, you don't know if that's truly why it didn't work out for you. You just don't know until you ask the client. Yes. So we as hairstylists, we as educators, we're all just we're all just coming up with all this shit based upon our own experience. And we're all just talking about our experience and our beliefs and our opinions. But it's like, what about what the actual client has to say about the situation? 
And I love how you've taken such a wide sampling because I often think that sometimes these assumptions, um, and I love the made up word, by the way, I feel like the perfect description. I'm totally here for it. (laughs) Let's start using that. Um, But I, I think that sometimes what can happen is that, that people will be thinking about making a change and they'll talk about it with like their aunt or one client will say something and it's like, this is not actually who you are marketing to. And it's not indicative of the wider opinion, right? So like they'll hear one person's opinion and then assume based on that one offhand comment, the person didn't even think about that this is the way that they should do things. This is the way that their business should be run. So I cannot wait to dive into this. Before we get into the results, though, on the off chance that my listeners uh, maybe haven't listened to your last episode or are not familiar with you yet, can you just introduce yourself? Give us the cliff notes of who you are and what you do inside our industry. Yeah. So hi, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning into Jody's podcast. Any friend of Jody is mine. My name is Hunter Donia. I teach hairstylists how to systematize and automate their beauty businesses. And so with that, I teach you a lot of innovative and forward-thinking strategies to help you have more of a work-life balance and feel less chaotic in your business, but still maintain your growth and success at the same time. Yeah, that's who I am. Love that. (laughs) And what I love about, and I know like I've said this to you so many times, what I love about the way that you teach is that you are really setting up the system so that Stylists are not having to rely on sheer willpower to take care of themselves anymore and to have the business that they want because we have such a an emotional-based business. Like the relationships we have with our clients can be emotional and that can be really rewarding and really amazing. But there is also a huge downside to that, right? And that is that we feel obligated in certain ways or we feel as though maybe we can't say no. And so I love that you've created something that not only protects the hairstylist, but also actually gives your clients a better experience. And that's going to be a large part of what we discussed today, because the real purpose of sharing these findings and the reason I'm so excited to have this conversation is ultimately we're going to be sharing what you can do to make the experience better for your clients and more sustainable for yourself. So thank you for being here and sharing. I'm super excited to get into it. Yeah, dude, you literally hit the nail on the head. I couldn't have said it better myself. So thank you so much for a beautiful introduction. Thank you for giving me your platform to share this information. I think, like you said, it'll shed the light on the opportunity that we as beauty professionals have now to like really create a business that we love and that fuels our life and like our passion and and, uh, feeling of success within our business, but also takes care of our clients and helps you make a better impact in your community at the same time. So So let's start off with the actual demographics of this survey. So I wanted to make sure that we weren't just talking to some random ass people, okay? (laughs) I wanted to really be talking to the person that their opinion matters, all right? So we talked to 500 women in the United States, but we talked to 500 women in the United States who specifically get services done in a salon. So these weren't just people who like are just random and just like answering surveys. Like these are people who like are actually getting their hair done at a salon with a stylist, paying money to do it, not just like cutting their bangs and box dyeing their hair at home. And those are the people that you want to listen to. You brought up a really good point earlier of 
sometimes we'll listen to what our partner says or what our family thinks or like what our friends will say. Mm -hmm. And I know in my personal life, every single time I've told like my family, my friends, whatever, like a decision that I want to make or how I want to run my business, especially like raising prices and stuff like that, they always say no. They always Mm -hmm. say, are you sure that's a good idea? And if I listen to that opinion and I let that spiral in my brain and hold me back, then where the hell would I be now? It would totally hold me back from making those difficult decisions. And so listening to these people who like are paying our freaking bills at the end of the day, that is who we want to listen to. So within these 500 women, 50% of them are between the age range of 25 to 44. 20% of them are between the age range of 18 to 24. 30% of them are uh, between the ages of four, I'm sorry, 45 and above. All right. So that is, so we're dealing with people of all age ranges as well. Plus, I don't have definitive answers for this because it was so widely varied, um, which is a good thing. We pulled from all different areas in the United States, very rural places, suburbs, cities, I believe almost every single state in America. Uh, We have people from all over. These aren't just people who are like are living in cities or living in the middle of nowhere. We really have a very diverse pull to pull from, which is great. The very first place that we started off with this survey was about line booking. All right. Online booking. (laughs) Now, before I get into this tea, all right. I also want to say I am just the messenger. So don't shoot me. All right. (laughs) Yes. I ask these questions because these are things that I teach. Right. But I asked these questions in a non-biased way because I too wanted to hear what clients had to say about them. Like I care that I'm talking, that I'm teaching things that clients actually want in today's day and age as well. So I'm just telling you what your clients want. All right. I'm not, this is not coming from a place of me, like telling you what to do. This is like literally what your client said. All right. To these answers, not knowing me, not knowing anything about what I do, period. There's so many things we could talk about with online booking, right? But I think one of the biggest things that I get when I promote online booking is my clients aren't going to want to do it. They Mm -hmm. prefer to just book through me. That's an assumption we make. And then also an experience that a lot of stylists have are my clients get confused and they don't book the right thing. And then I'm messed up with my timing, et cetera, et cetera. So I want to, I, I wanted to cover these and address these within these questions and see what our clients said. So here's where we start. I asked... How do you prefer to book your appointment online? I'm sorry. How do you prefer to book your appointment at the salon? That was the question. I gave three ans- three options for this answer. And these results are going to be completely contradictory to everything I'm saying. But we'll get there. <laughs> I gave them the option of booking an appointment in person, book an appointment online, or book by the phone. All right? 15% said in person. Only 24% said online and 61% said by phone. Wow. So this is where it gets interesting. So then I asked why. So then I asked those other percentage that that did not choose online. I asked, why don't you prefer to book online? Of those people said, my stylist does not offer it or I'm not sure if they offer it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense because I was very thrown by that answer. Because <laughs> me if too, I can't book it online, I'm not booking it. Literally, <laughs> girl. So, what are your thoughts about that? What do you think about that? Like that that sixty percent of those people they would they quote unquote prefer the other things just because mm-hmm. their stylist doesn't offer it or they're not even sure if their stylist offers it. 
I think it's like anything else. Like we're only aware, like you only really start to think about something as a possibility if if you think it's there, right? If you think, if you're sure that it's there. So to me, what it sounds like is the people who didn't really, who didn't prefer online booking, it was because they didn't know it was an option or they didn't understand. So to me, that really does skew the statistic quite a bit. That means the majority of those people have having had the option to choose online booking may have you may have had a completely different result luckily we don't have to guess because i actually ran a second survey so i asked this question again by the way just before we move forward the uh the leftover 40 percent when i asked why don't you prefer to book online they said it's too confusing or i'm scared to mess it up all right oh interesting and we'll get and we'll dive deeper into that so i ran the survey again this time, I worded the serve the, the question. I said, how would you prefer to book your appointment assuming your stylist offered both options? Okay. Right. So I, so number one, I took out the in-person option because right. I want to know like how they want to book an appointment outside of the salon, right? That's right. what I'm really trying to figure out here. So I removed that option. Yeah. And then I added that verbiage, like assuming your stylist offered both options. So I kept by phone or online. said by phone and Mm -hmm. 71% said online. Wow. So that made more sense. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. I would assume too that in-person percentage was likely pre-bookers who have been used to just like pre-booking at the end of their appointment. So I feel like it makes sense to remove that. Very much. And then I asked the follow-up question again to the 29% who said by phone. I said, why don't you prefer to book online? Remember, this is assuming your stylist did offer online booking. Mm-hmm. 54% said, I'm scared I'll mess it up. Mm-hmm. So not just are you the stylist scared that your clients are going to mess it up, your clients are scared too, right? right. Like your clients don't want to mess up the appointment. Your clients don't want to like book the wrong thing. Like they want to make sure that they're booked in for the right amount of time to make sure mm-hmm. that you're cool and everybody's cool and they get what they want. So I thought that was really fascinating. And then the 36% said it feels less convenient, quote unquote. And then we had some other miscellaneous options where they just typed in their answer. And then some of those people still didn't get it. And some of them were like, right. my client doesn't, or I'm sorry, my st- my stylist doesn't offer it. So it was really illuminating. And it really showed that the reason why your client may not want to do this, or you've had poor experiences in the past, is because you didn't set yourself up or your client up well enough for them to be able to use online booking and trust it and book the right thing. And I feel like it's an easy, convenient process for them. A confused mind will always say no. And that is true in marketing. And that is true in the customer journey. And so if you are, and I've I've seen this a lot too, where sometimes there's too many options. It's too confusing. There's, they're like, okay, what do I add on? What do I do here? There's literally 30 different services to choose from. And so that makes a lot of sense that it is that fear of messing it up and fear because then, of course, they're not going to want to do it. Yep. And uh, a couple tips just to give people, and we teach all of this stuff within my program, Pre-Visit Pathway, a couple tips to make it so that way your your online booking is more optimized and easy to use is number one, you want to evaluate the platform that you're actually using. I that You really want to make sure that like when somebody goes on to your online booking technology that you're using, that it's a really nice and clean, easy process, number one. 
Number two, go ahead and take some of like your top like five clients and test them, show them your online booking and be like, what would you choose? And then if you'll see is that you'll see if they choose the right thing or not, when you'll see what their reactions are, and you'll be able to ask them why they chose it. And then you'll be able to go back to the drawing board, make adjustments and then retest them and ask them. So that way you really know that you're getting onto the, the right track. I teach a really streamlined, easy way of getting, just getting to the point and like skipping all that stuff using something called booking blocks, um, where you can make it really nice and simple and easy. But I don't think that your client should have to select more than like one maximum two buttons, like maximum two buttons to be able to book the right, correct thing with you online. So that is just my take and my experience and my hundreds of other alumni's experience. So I then asked, those same percentages, all right, that same percentage that did not prefer to book online, I said, fill in the blank, I would be more willing to book online if that. So this was all open ended responses that I put into ChatGPT, and I had it categorize them into different kind of reasons. So the top three, the top three things that would make somebody be more willing to book online was at the lowest 15% system reliability. So they just want to be they just want to know that the technology actually works, which is girl, it works like yeah. it's it's tested and tried and true like it's going to freaking work. We live in 2023. Then 20% said if I got a confirmation or notification. And when you read some of the open ended responses, it's like I want to get a confirmation that my stylist saw that this was booked, right? right. So when with most modern uh, booking day systems, you can actually turn on approve and deny for like online booked appointments. So you'll be able to say approve and then that person will get a confirmation and a notification. Yeah. Then 22%, which was like the majority of reasons said ease of use. So we just covered all of that, right? Making sure that this is actually easy for your client to use. Also taking the responsibility to literally walk them through like in your chair, like show them like actually how to use it or maybe having a video tutorial to be able for them to be able to go back through and watch going through that process, right? So people would be more willing to book for all of the above. And those all of the above are completely possible for you to implement. You just have to make sure that you are actually doing it. I love that. And I love the idea too, that you suggested about having that confirm and deny. That's exactly how I had my online booking set up behind the chair. And what I feel like that does when it's more of an appointment is it takes some of that ownership off the client and puts it onto you. So they're like, okay, I'm requesting this appointment. And when my stylist confirms it, I know it's good to go. And I think that adds to them feeling taken care of. And like you are able to, they're able to feel like, okay, I've got the right thing. I'm good to go. So I love that you mentioned that. Yeah, like that's like that stylist involvement in the process. Mm -hmm. So it's it's still like you're like you're very hands off, but you're still confirming. And what's so funny to me when stylists think about like how they're like they have a death grip on the control of their schedule, and they think that if they turn on online booking, that all of a sudden that control is going to fly out the window. Mm -hmm. Somebody will book this. You're still completely in control of what happens with your schedule. Like you can text somebody, you can move the appointment, you can disapprove it. It's not that deep. Can I just add that I would much rather have a 30 minute gap in my schedule than be spending hours and hours of unpaid time texting people when I'm supposed to be off with my family. If we're thinking about it from that perspective, maybe you'll have a little gap once every few weeks, but think of all the time that you're getting back in your day-to-day life. Like it's worth the trade-off, I think. Absolutely. And we teach people how to minimize gaps with online booking as much as possible in previous pathway. 
Um, and there, it is definitely possible, but I love that you shared that. And we'll finish up with online booking and get to the next section in just a moment. But it really does come down to perspective and understanding mm -hmm. like the value of your time. I really love that you shared that. Okay, so section number two is talking about your communications with your clients and then also like the booking experience as a whole, right? Because communication has a lot to do with like the booking experience overall, right? So in this section, I wanted to address pre-booking because I know that pre-booking has been like a controversial, crazy conversation over the past couple years. And I know that we as an industry have been like, burn into our brains that like, pre-booking is absolutely an essential thing and that we absolutely need to do it, et cetera, et cetera. And it was honestly, it was from what I saw the first time, I, it was Brit Siva who really popularized the idea or even just challenged the idea of pre-booking at all from the very beginning. And I think that when it first came out, it was taken super literally and that's why it caused all this uproar. When I decided to rethink how I'm pre-booking in my business, I did exactly that. I rethought how I was pre-booking. It wasn't that I completely was like, nope, I'm never going to pre-book an appointment ever again. However, I did get to a point where I was not um, pre-booking the majority of my appointments. Plus, I wasn't pre-scheduling myself into the ground in smithereens like months in advance like I normally was or like I was taught to do. A lot of people think that like locking in their clients' appointments for the entire year is like a flex, right? Oh, I'm booked out for the rest of the year. And it's, yeah, you're booked out for the rest of the year with like, the same person over and over. And that same person might not have any idea what they're doing in three months from today. And I don't know about you, Jody. Do you know what's happening in three months from today? No. In your life? <laughs> no. Yeah, you just not. told me some crazy ass <laughs> things that are happening in your personal life that you I can not think I know. <laughs> <laughs> my theory was, my, my theory is that not only are we gridlocking ourselves into this stressful schedule where I remember during the pandemic, I was so deathly afraid of getting sick. And it was not because of me getting sick at all, which is awful. Like I, that should be the reason. It should be the reason that I'm scared about my health and like my, my body. It was because I was deathly afraid of having to handle rescheduling my clients. Yeah. The fact that I am literally gridlocked, solidly booked for three and a half months plus, mm -hmm. where the hell are these people going to go, right? And at least giving myself some flexibility as far as how far out I'm booked, right? Yeah. And then also how people actually get onto my schedule could have given me a lot of relief. And my other theory is that we are forcing our clients to be doing these things because we're giving them this like stressful feeling that if you don't do this, then you're yeah. screwed. And I'm like, that is not an enjoyable experience. And as we move into this wildly competitive landscape in the industry, people are going to pay for convenience and people are going to pay for being able to work with their schedule, right? So being gridlocked, booked, and pre-booking people and forcing people to be locked into something that they have no idea what's going on in their life, I just don't think is the T anymore. So that was my theory. So I tested it with the clients. I said, if your hairstylist schedule was flexible, what would you prefer? Book next appointment before I leave the salon or book next appointment when I'm ready and have a better idea of my schedule. Jody, what do you think they said? 
Oh, that's a tough one. I feel like they probably did say, I, see, okay, I could go either way. I think that most people would prefer the flexible booking when they're ready. I wonder if maybe some of them were scared because they haven't been able to get appointments when they waited. So right. yeah, I, I'm not too confident on this one. <laughs> okay. So 26% said that they would prefer to book a next appointment before they leave the salon. Seven, a whopping 74% of your clients would rather book their next appointment when they are ready and they have a better idea of their schedule. Wow, that's amazing. Your clients want you to have more flexibility in your schedule too. Mm -hmm. And you are literally saying no to new clients. If you are solidly gridlocked and booked, you're saying no to yourself and your kids' soccer games that you didn't know were going to come up in like in three months from today, mm -hmm. right? Like you're saying no to yourself and to your clients in a lot of different ways if you don't build flexibility into your schedule and if you don't rethink how you're pre-booking yourself ahead of time. Yeah, I think too that uh, a lot of when a lot of stylists are gridlocked and they're so booked, it's like a stress response to stop accepting new clients, which I think is always a mistake. Honestly, um, I've never really seen it go well, unless you're literally yep. looking to retire. So I definitely think that's another thing to consider in terms of keeping that flexible schedule. Cause then you're not so gridlocked a, your existing clients can get in, but B you're not in that like stress mode of, Oh my God, I can't take any new clients because my existing clients can't get in. Absolutely. 100%. And if you can't take new clients, then you're literally saying no to more money. 100%. And you're like saying no to being able to have like substantial price increases, like where you'll actually have a substantial raise and be able to like make up for the fact that like you have a different type of cost of living in your yeah. life, not to mention like a cost of goods for your business. So it's important that you have a healthy flow of new clients coming in all the time right. and creating flexibility in that schedule with not just managing your prices to manage your demand, but also just managing like what's on your book in a different right. way as well, too. So my next T was. Because this is all about how we book appointments, right? I'm a big firm believer. If anybody knows me and listens to me before, you know that I'm a big advocate for digital forms. And if you've had digital forms in your business before and they didn't work out for you, there's a lot of different theories that I have. I think there's a lot of do's and don'ts with uh, digital forms. I think there's a lot of people um, who uh, build a digital consultation form without guidance and not really thinking about the user's experience. And there is a lot of do's and don'ts. And I have a podcast episode about it. And it may have been that you didn't take responsibility for making sure that was also a clean user experience, right? Because it's not just about the online booking. It's also about digital forms. It's also about all the things that you're doing in your client experience. And then also maybe you are scared of using digital consultation forms to streamline your processes because you're nervous that clients aren't going to want to fill them out just in general. Maybe you just haven't even tried at all. When we know this is like a completely transformative strategy for you because you can be so much more hands off. And you talked in the beginning about how I teach a lot to using systems to be able to enforce boundaries and hold yourself accountable to boundaries. I always talk about the example of when you're a hairdresser and you go to a party and you meet this person who finds out you're a hairdresser and you're like, here we freaking go. And they're like, oh my God. Yeah, I'm like, oh my God. I, I've, I've gone to a million hairdressers in my life and I've hated them all. They've never done a good job. Can you do my hair? And you're like, the red flags are like beaming in your brain. 
And you're like, I want to say no to this person, but I don't want to be rude and whatever may be. So instead of feeling forced to say yes or forced to say no, like you can use a digital consultation form and you can say, totally feel you, girl. Let's like figure out if we're the right fit for each other. Go ahead and fill this out when you get home and then we'll go from there. And then we have like automations and things like that we set up on the back end to make that really nice and non-confrontational and enforce those boundaries, et cetera, et cetera. So there's, and that's just the scratching the surface with the power of digital forms. But are our clients actually willing to fill them out? Are we creating a like, less personal touch and connection when we're asking somebody to fill out a digital form instead of doing the consultation ourselves, right? That's the big question. Mm -hmm. So I asked our clients, instead of making these assumptions, I said, are you willing to fill out a digital consultation form before booking your first appointment so you'll know what price you'll be paying and so you'll be booked for the correct amount of time for the hairstylist to complete your service? 95% percent of your clients are willing to fill out a digital consultation form before booking their first appointment. Wow. 95%. Okay. So not only are you saying no to yourself, again, you're saying no to yourself by being so scared of implementing this thing, right? You're also saying no to your clients, probably maybe even possibly having like a better and more truthful um, experience with you right. right off the bat, right? Non-confrontational communication, like with digital forms, has shown to get you more honest answers and get you, and you'll be able to set up all of the questions that you want to ask to get the answers that you actually need and want to be able to give this person an accurate service and like the like book the right thing online and, and all those good things. So, what are your thoughts about that, Jody? I love this because I think that it's really important from several different aspects. I think that in order to run a business that you love, you need to have boundaries and you need to have systems and you're going to filter out a lot of that first time client anxiety just by having people go through this process and it takes a lot of confusion out of it. Now, from a branding and marketing perspective, I always say this and you know that I'm always like, there never needs to be that like, oh, I wasn't expecting that moment because mm. you can build all this trust throughout your marketing process. Yes. And if there's like a miscommunication or people feel unsure, it can really undo all of that work that you've done to build trust and rapport during that attraction process. So I feel like when you have that form and that really streamlined and clean way to communicate, it's positioning you as the professional. And I think I'm surprised by how high that statistic is, but it just goes to show that like clarity and good communication is preferable. People want to know what they're getting themselves in for. They want to be really aware of that. So I'm really excited by that finding actually, because I think it really confirms a lot of the things that I would probably assume. And it confirms the shit that I've been teaching. I've been yes. out here teaching this shit. And I'm <laughs> teaching this stuff. I'm I'm teaching this stuff as somebody who like is really fascinated in the future and the way that consumers are doing business nowadays. Right. I've read books. I like stay consistent with seeing like what clients and customers actually want yeah. just in the world. And this is how people are doing business with businesses nowadays, right? Yeah. So it's not just like we just assume that our industry is so specific and that your clients are so specific and that your business is so specific. And yes, you do have unique nuances that should be taken into consideration. But generally, you now have this opportunity in today's day and age to do business in a way that makes sense, both better for you 
and to make it better for you and for the client as well too. Yeah. And I think too, like our industry is getting a lot more, like the services that we do now are more complex. Like they're 100. more, and experience is more important. So like when I think back, like for the past, probably as long as I can remember, every time I go for a massage or like to a med spa or any of those types of places, it there's always a form to fill yep. out first, right? And so I think it is probably the norm more than we think it is. Yes, very much. So my last part of my survey. So here's the take. This is very much like, especially a part of my coaching where it's you do whatever you want, right? I, I really don't care. I just care that you are creating a simple and convenient process for your clients and for yourself too. And that's where it comes down to your pricing model. Because there's been so many different opinions and talk about pricing models in the past couple of years. Some people think that hourly is best. Some people think that a la carte is tried and true and you should stick with that. And then some people, such as myself, are really into all-inclusive package pricing. Mm -hmm. And then some people like with things like salon scale coming out and, and like being more and like Vish, like things like becoming more and hairstylists just becoming more aware of like their cost of doing business, right? Maybe they'll be charging parts and labor. That's an, also another thing that's happening that I'm seeing a lot with pricing models coming out now. So like they'll have a base a la carte price, but then they'll charge for the parts and labor for exactly how much it costed for the stylist, for that specific client, for that specific service on top of it. So there's a lot of different ways that we're reconsidering our pricing models. And unfortunately, I did not include parts and labor in this, but I did ask our clients how they felt about an hourly pricing menu and all the cart menu and then a package menu. All right. I gave them very short little descriptions of each of them non-biased and just like telling them what it is so that way they would know what they are to give us mm -hmm. accurate answers. So I said, when we're viewing a hairstylist pricing, what do you believe, what would you prefer and what do you believe makes the most sense to you? This is wild. And this is where it's don't shoot the messenger for the people who have this. 5% <laughs> prefer hourly pricing. Wow. 5%. And the T is, I think there are so many pros and cons to hourly pricing. And I'm not surprised that this is definitely not what your client wants. Yeah. I think that the con with hourly pricing, for my personal opinion and the experience that stylists talk to me about, is that you're giving your client you're giving your client leverage over your time now, right? Because now you're like booked for, let's say that you are booked for three hours, but you finish at two and a half. You're just screwed for thir thirty minutes of yeah. of your time, and you don't make that money anymore, right? Mm -hmm. So like you're giving your client control almost over like how much you get paid in a day, no matter how much you're booked. And then your client may be sitting there thinking, oh, my stylist is taking much more time today, like slowing yeah. down to make sure that she can charge me more or something mm -hmm. like that. So then your client is untrusting of this model as well, too. Then 29% preferred a la carte and 66%. Mm -hmm. preferred an all-inclusive package menu. So then I asked, here's why clients said, I'm sorry, I said, why did you choose that specific model? That's what I asked. And I gave an open-ended fill-in-the-blank situation. And mm -hmm. then I summed up their answers. The number one reason why people chose a la carte pricing was more control and flexibility. I don't always want a package deal. I like to pick and choose what I want. Now, for me personally, I don't want that client. <laughs> 
<laughs> no. Like, I want to, I don't care if you want that. Like, I, you're going to come to me, show me the inspo picture. I'm going to tell you what we're doing today. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who preferred all-inclusive package pricing? The number one reason was they liked the price transparency. Many respondents value the ability to know upfront the cost of the services they're purchasing. This helps them avoid unexpected expenses and enables better budgeting. And that also helps you too, because then you'll be less likely to emotional, emotionally discount and you'll be able to do everything, be covered for the cost of doing business and get paid fairly. Um, and then convenience was also a reason why they chose that. So respondents appreciate the convenience and simplicity of all-inclusive packages. And then the 5%, the answers were all over the place. A lot of them just said they it sounds more convenient it was very much not clear answers yeah Yeah. so yeah that's the sum up this doesn't surprise me even a little bit like (laughs) i'm actually surprised that more people didn't choose i think like it makes sense based on some of those answers like the people who wanted to pick and choose here's my thoughts on this so i've actually talked about this before from like a branding perspective but like When I go to a luxury hotel, my absolute experience killer is being nickel and dimed. I would rather pay way more on the base rate of the room and not have to pay for Wi-Fi. Like I literally went to a hotel that is like a five-star hotel. It's the like highest end hotel chain in Canada and got charged a champagne glass rental fee. And I was like this, and it was like 10 bucks. I'm like, you could have raised the rate of the room. $50 $50 and it would have offended me a lot less than being nickel and dime for a $10 glass rental fee. 100%. So that I think is like when we're talking about creating an experience and particularly like the people who, this is the thing. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you want to grow your business. Like you're not, you're in it because you want to like create something really special from this career, which is fully possible. And so I think that's why I always lean into that like luxury service model, because I think that's the case for a lot of my listeners is they're promoting luxury services, like on the higher end in our industry. And this is another reason that I think that package model is so important because it takes that nickel and diming out of it. And people just feel like, ah, okay, like I, I get to come for this like beautiful experience. I don't have to worry if I want a sparkling water or whatever. It's there for me for my experience. So I... I'm very happy about the results of that one, actually, because I think it's really important. Me too. So that's my survey, girl. Again, my friend listening to this, here's the day. Here's my sum up for you. You run your business however the hell you want to run your business, okay? Just however you do decide to run your business, just number one, just always consider different opportunities that may make it so that way you can have a better work-life balance and run your business better. And then however you run to choose to run your business, whatever procedure, whatever it is, just make sure that you are making it a enjoyable and marketable and easy experience for your clients. Make sure that you're transparent with your clients about it and make sure that you're taking your clients like wants and needs into consideration when you are implementing it and thinking about the nuances and thinking ahead of how this actually affects you in the long term and in the short term. What are your, what, what's the tea, Jody? So how do we close it? I want to ask you, Hunter, what was the most surprising result from the survey that you, when you were looking through the results, what were you like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. There's two that come to mind. I'm really shook about hourly being as low as 5%. I was like, eek. I just feel like there's so many people who have adopted that model that Mm -hmm. I'm just like, damn, like that really sucks for them. (laughs) And then the 95% uh, for digital forms. I I really did think that might, I 
preach and teach digital forms. I see so much success with them within my students and their businesses. So I wasn't surprised that it was the majority that said yes, but I didn't realize like that it could, that there is a massive amount of people who are absolutely willing to fill out those forms. And this is across all age ranges too. I was really surprised to find, I don't have the exact numbers and statistics up right now in front of me. I was really surprised to find also like, within the within the age range 45 plus that the majority of them were the people who said yes to the more innovative things to the more online technological things like they were the ones who said yes to online booking they were the ones who said yes i would fill out a digital form so again we can't make assumptions like making assumptions about somebody's age and what they'll do and what they won't do is ageist like straight up so uh, it's just another i think takeaway for people listening to this is you just, just don't make assumptions and i think that you can make anything work in your business as long as you're taking your clients' preferences and wants and needs into consideration in today's day and age. Yeah, absolutely. My job. I love that. So where can my listeners go to connect with you? Where can they go to find out more about you and what you're teaching and what you do? Yeah. So hunterdonia.com, I think is the best place to go and check out um, all that I have to offer. I teach a lot of these strategies that we went over today. If you want to streamline your business, if you want to um, achieve more work-life balance without jeopardizing the success of your business, I'm your guy. If you struggle with boundaries, I'm your dude. I have a podcast, the Modern Hairstylist podcast, where I share a shit ton of free advice and we pop off, spill the tea over there. And then on Instagram, hair by hunty, H-U-N-T-Y. I'd love if you connected with me on the hair by hunty Instagram and I can connect with you and share some thoughts with you and connect with you, my friend. So hit me up on there. Jody, thank you so much for having me. I have so much fun with you, dude, on here. Thank you so much for allowing me to to be on this platform. Feeling is so mutual. And I do just want to say personally, go check out Hunter's podcast because I love the way that you take like very complex like business concepts and you make it so fun to listen to and you really do empower our industry to think bigger and create exactly what you want in your business. So I love that you do that for our industry. All right. Thank you you for being here and I will see you next time on the Hairstyle Podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at Hairstylist Rising or at It's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.